episode five. Drink water and sleep more. Welcome to Not Really Hungry, the podcast that explores how to eat mindfully, lose weight, and change your life. Now here's your host, Tanya Blankenship. Hello, hello. Welcome back. In this episode, we are going to talk about the last two habits of the core four, which are drink water and sleep more. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking this is going to be the most boring episode ever, but hopefully not. Hopefully I'll be able to share with you the benefits and make it a little interesting along the way. So I guess the main thing about these two habits that I wanted to say is that they're not sexy. And they're not exciting like, you're going to drop 10 pounds overnight. Weight loss comes from consistent behaviors over time. There is no magic. There is no quick fix. We just have to implement the behaviors, create habits, and stick with them. So if these habits are so boring, we might assume that they're simple. So then why isn't everybody doing them? And I guess the answer is because simple doesn't mean easy. There are lots of people that struggle with water and sleep. So that's why we're going to talk about them today because they are both key components to most weight loss plans. So first of all, let's dig into drinking water. When I first joined Weight Watchers, oh my gosh, it's been almost 20 years ago when I first joined. That makes me feel super old. But Weight Watchers was the main reason that I started drinking water originally. And back then, I didn't know why it was good for me. I didn't care why it was good for me. I just knew that Weight Watchers recommended it and I was trying to fit into my wedding dress at the time. And so I was gonna do just about anything I could. So if they said, hey, drink water, it'll help you lose weight. I was like, okay, cool, I'm doing it because it seemed easy and I was motivated for my wedding. Again, I didn't really care about the health benefits necessarily. But along the way, I have learned how important it is to good health and to our weight loss. So you guys know that our bodies need water, right? Like you've heard the stories. You can only live for like three days without water. Now, of course, we get water from other drinks and we do get water from our foods, but it's better for your body to get just straight water. Some of the things that water helps you with are um, regulating your body temperature, Did you know that you can't sweat if you don't have enough water in your body? And then you can overheat and get to dangerous levels and have like heat stroke. Of course, that's an extreme case, but just something to keep in mind. It helps with our digestion. It lubricates our joints. It helps deliver oxygen throughout the body. It removes toxins from our cells, helps protect our kidneys because if there was a toxin buildup, then our kidneys wouldn't work as well. And most importantly, like Weight Watchers said, it's important for weight loss because you need water to burn fat because when you become dehydrated, your metabolism slows down and therefore isn't burning as much fat. So for me, that is like a no brainer. Of course, I want to burn more fat. So of course I want to drink water. The other thing though, is it really does help you feel more energized I've noticed that since I became a water drinker, when I go without water, I definitely feel more tired and more sluggish. Those are all great health benefits, but you know, they might not be super motivating. Like you need to tune into something that really means something to you to help you stay motivated to drink water if it doesn't come naturally to you. 
Again, my main motivation for switching to water back in the day was just to save calories. It was like 140 to 150 calories for a can of pop. And I was like, mm, no, I'd rather eat than drink those calories. So that was the main motivation. Throughout the years, as I've learned more about the health benefits, in addition to the calories in the pop, there is so much sugar. Like one can of pop has 39 grams of sugar. Now, it depends on who you ask, but um, the American Heart Association recommends only 25 grams per day for women. So if you have one can of pop, that's more than their recommended amount of added sugar for your entire day already. And then the World Health Organization says no more than 50 grams, so you could get away with a can or a can and a half, according to their guidelines. But again, it's just when you think about how much sugar that is, and I was definitely drinking more than one can of pop, you know, back then, so... So in addition to saving all those calories, I also save myself from all that added sugar in my diet as well. Another benefit of water is that it can help you curb your hunger because oftentimes when you think you're hungry, you're actually thirsty. And I have definitely seen that myself. Um, there've been times where my stomach's growling and I feel like I'm starving and then I have like half a bottle of water and suddenly it goes away. So that's a good sign that maybe I was just thirsty and not really hungry. Now there's lots of debates out there about other beverages, you know, other than pop, like diet soda or, um, you know, sugar-free juices and things like that. And I'm not here to like put those down or tell you that you shouldn't drink them. It's just that ultimately water is the best choice. So I just try to strive for balance. I used to drink diet pop and it doesn't have the added sugars, but it still has caffeine, which can be dehydrating. And it had the artificial sweetener, which, you know, the jury's still out, but there's a lot of studies out there that say they're not that great for you. So I just decided this year that really diet pop is just carbonated water with coloring and sweeteners and all kinds of crap added. So I just kind of asked myself like, what was I getting from it? And I realized that I was only drinking maybe one a day and I usually didn't even finish that. So I just kind of decided like I didn't really need it and I didn't miss it, honestly. Now going from drinking a bunch of pop or soda to none at all, yes, you will notice that and you will probably have some withdrawal symptoms from the sugar and the caffeine. So that could be a big change. But for me, I had already cut my consumption down so much that to go from you know, half a can to one can down to zero was not a big deal. And just to loop back to the um, weight loss piece of it, from my years of sitting in Weight Watchers meetings, I have heard plenty of people say they had better weight loss weeks when they drank their water. And I have witnessed people saying, I didn't change anything this week except add it in my water. And it makes a difference on the scale. A lot of times your body will compensate for what it's not getting. So if it's not getting enough water, it's going to hold on to every little bit of water that it has so that you don't die of thirst. And so that can affect you on the scale because you can start retaining water because your body feels like, oh my gosh, we're not getting enough water. I'm so thirsty. I'm not going to be able to make it. So it just holds on to everything. And it kind of does that with food too, which is a whole different topic. But if you start restricting yourself too much with your food, your body will think it's starving and then it won't burn off any of the fat stores because it thinks it needs to hold on to it to survive. So that's just something to keep in mind. The other thing that I've really noticed about drinking water is that it's so much less expensive. When we would go out to eat, we both used to get pop and then it's like, you know, 250 anymore at a restaurant. So then by the time you pay for the pop and then you have to tip on top of the pop, like 
it gets expensive. So that has made a big difference for us to cut out that cost. And even when you buy pop at the store, like it adds up. I mean, it's hard to find a 12 pack anymore for like less than $4 unless you can get it on sale. So it can be a really expensive habit if you're drinking a lot of pop or bottle juice or something like that. I'm fine with our tap water. Um, I know some people don't like tap water, but even buying bottled water is cheaper than probably buying soda or other sweetened beverages. So that's just a little side benefit that I've noticed. I didn't, you know, start drinking water to save money, but I just noticed that it kind of happened along the way. All right, so now that I've talked your ear off about why you need to drink water, you probably wanna know how much you should drink. And honestly, it depends. Like there's so many things that go into it. It depends on your age, how active you are, the climate you live in, what other health problems you have, your height and weight, how much you eat, foods that are water rich, like fruits and vegetables. So it's really hard to give a guideline or a rule of thumb. The typical suggestion has always been eight glasses of eight ounces, which is 64 ounces. But then there's plenty of other people out there that say, no, you need a hundred ounces or no, you need half your body weight. So it's very subjective, but I mentioned in the core four podcast, I've always kind of used my urine color as the guide to determine if I'm properly hydrated or not. And you want to shoot for pale yellow. If it's clear, then you are overhydrated. And if it's really dark, then you are borderline dehydrated. So you need to step it up and drink some more. Like I said, a lot of people struggle with water and I probably did too in the beginning. It's kind of hard to remember because I was just so motivated for my wedding. But I do remember um, that the reason I started drinking Diet Pop was because I had cut out all my regular pop and was drinking nothing but water. And at some point I was just like, oh, this is so boring. I need something. And that was the day that I tried a Diet Coke. And suddenly what I thought used to be disgusting tasted delicious because it was something different than water. So I get that plain water all the time could be a big adjustment for people. So here are some tips to help you get your water in. Number one, set a water goal. A lot of times, if you have a goal in mind, you know what you're shooting for, you can check off the boxes. It makes it a lot easier. That's why in the core four planner, I have a section of water glasses for you to check off because seeing that visual reminder can be a really big help. Another tip is just drink a glass first thing when you wake up. You know how when you wake up in the morning, like your mouth's dry and yucky anyway. So it's like drink some water, get yourself off to a good start. Give your body that little boost of energy that it gets from the water. Another tip is if you do drink a lot of pop or other sugary beverages, drink a glass of water before you have the pop and then see, maybe you won't need the entire can because you'll already have some fullness in there from the water. Or even if you still do drink the entire thing, at least you've gotten the water in there as well. Another tip is try sparkling water. This is something that I have just recently started trying and I haven't ever had just plain sparkling water, but flavored sparkling water, I'm a huge fan. And again, I've tried it in the past and didn't like it because I didn't think it was sweet enough. But once I stopped drinking diet pop and all I was drinking was water, suddenly the flavored sparkling water was fantastic. And it's a nice little change from regular water. Sometimes I'll put it over ice in a fancy glass. And a lot of times I just drink it straight out of the can, but they have lots of different flavors and it seems like everywhere I go, I'm seeing it now. So it's becoming more and more available. Another thing to do is just to test it out, trial and error. 
Do you like your water super cold? Do you prefer it to be room temperature? Or do you even like it hot? I mean, there's no right or wrong. It's really about what you like and what will keep you doing it. Carry a reusable bottle or cup with you and then you can constantly refill it. That can be a huge help for people trying to get more water in. Um, a friend of mine told me she recently got a Yeti cup and apparently they're like amazing at keeping drinks cold. So she's finally drinking water now that the water is staying cold for her because she likes her water cold. So if that's something that you struggle with, you know, look for a bottle or a cup that specifically talks about keeping things cold for a long time and that could help. Another option is to get one of those um, pitchers that you keep in your fridge that has a filter in it. So if you don't like the taste of tap water, then that you can have that filter built into it and that can make it a little bit easier for you. You could even set reminders on your phone, like you know, once every couple of hours to remind you, hey, go have a glass of water. Whatever you have to do to get yourself in the habit, it is worth it. And it's hard, you know, for me to think back to the years when I didn't drink it because now it's such a habit to me. I don't ever leave home without a bottle of water. I drink water constantly. Um, and I've even gotten to the point where I drink water with most of my meals. Occasionally I'll have a sparkling water with my meal, but usually that's more something I have later in the evening. I used to have this thing where like certain meals had to have pop with them, like pizza or spaghetti, any kind of Italian food really. It was just like that meal is not complete without my Diet Coke. And yeah, I'm pretty much over that now. So it will take time if you hate water, but you can do it and you can work up slowly. But the other important thing is don't sit there and talk negatively about it. Don't say, oh, this is gross. I hate water. I can't believe I have to drink this. Try flipping that around and saying, oh, this is refreshing, or I'm taking care of myself right now by drinking this water. Or even, you know, if you don't want to be all rainbows and sunshine, you can just say, hey, this isn't my favorite, but I'm doing something good for myself right now and I'll learn to like it. Whatever you have to do, you know, to get yourself in the positive mindset, just try, try different things until you find something that works because it's really, really a good habit to get into. And Again, it helps with weight loss. So what other motivation do you need? <laughs> All right. The next habit, the final habit of the core four is sleep more. None of us get enough sleep. I don't know anybody that ever comes in and says, oh, I'm so well rested. I sleep the appropriate amount of sleep every single night. There's so many things that keep us up late whether it's family obligations or, you know, you're so busy all day that then you want to have some fun time. And the only time that you have for fun is to stay up late. Guilty of that myself. So I personally have always struggled to make sleep a priority. There's just so many things that I want to do at night and there never seems to be enough time. And especially now that we have Landon, it's like, you know, I maybe have two hours tops with him at night. So I try not to use that time for chores and, you know, working on the blog and the podcast and stuff like that. Sometimes I have to, but I try to spend as much time with him as possible. So then he's in bed at eight. And if I'm trying to get to bed at 930, that's 90 minutes that I have to myself to finish cleaning up or relax with Jim or watch a show or, you know, plug into my Facebook groups and work on new stuff for the blog. So there's just not a lot of time. And I always tend to push my sleep off. And I'm really trying to work on it again because I can see a huge difference when I'm getting proper rest. 
aside from just feeling better because you're getting enough sleep, there's actually some scientific things about getting enough sleep that is really important. When you are not getting enough sleep, your hormones can get all out of whack. So there's two main hormones that control your hunger. I don't know if I'm saying them properly, but the one is called ghrelin, and that's the hormone that tells you that you need to eat. And then leptin is the hormone that tells you when you're full. So if you're not getting enough sleep because they get out of balance, you feel like you need to eat, but then you don't realize when you're full, which obviously leads to weight gain. So that's another big reason why we want to get enough sleep because we want to keep those hormones in check. We have a hard enough time controlling our eating with emotions and stress and all the other crap that's going on in our lives. The last thing we need is for our internal hormones to be fighting against us also. The other thing is when you don't get enough sleep, cortisol, which is your stress hormone, that gets elevated. So then that throws you a little bit into that like fight or flight thing. So of course, then your body's like all ramped up and you're anxious and that can increase your appetite. The other thing is the part of your brain that's responsible for decision making does not work as well when you don't get enough sleep. I've noticed for me, when I don't get enough sleep, everything just seems more difficult. Making a healthy meal can seem overwhelming. You know, forget exercise. If I'm overtired, that's going to be the first thing to go. And again, when you don't have the proper brain power to make good decisions, then how easy is it going to be for you to make the right choice? It's hard to make the right choices all the time. So you don't want your brain working against you and making it harder to make the the choice that you really want to make. That ties back into the planning though, because even if I am tired, if I've made my plan the day before and it is my habit just to follow my plan, then I don't have to decide in the moment when I'm tired. I have never made good decisions when I'm tired and especially with food, which is why I used to struggle so much with nighttime eating because I would be so tired in the evenings, but I would want to stay up and be with my husband or watch TV. And so I would snack in front of the TV and it was almost like a way to help me stay awake, which is ridiculous because what my body really needed was more sleep, but it was a really hard habit for me to break. The first night that I told myself I was not eating, like I wasn't going to snack during TV, I wasn't going to have any food after dinner just to see how I felt. I was so cranky. I was like a toddler without a nap and I couldn't put my finger on what I was mad about. I was just irritated at everything. And then it kind of hit me that like I was irritated because I wanted to eat and I had committed that I wasn't going to eat. And then I was irritated because I wasn't hungry and I knew I shouldn't be eating, but I still had the urge to eat. So one thing that I figured out during that time was that my nighttime eating had sort of become a habit and I was on autopilot. For a while there, I would put Landon to bed and then I would come directly from his room straight into the kitchen, get a giant bowl of cereal and head to the couch to you know, veg out and watch TV. When I started really working on getting back to my healthier habits, that was one thing that I had to interrupt. I had to stop that pattern of coming out of his room and going straight to the kitchen for food. So instead, I will come out of his room and go straight to the kitchen to check and see if everything's ready for my lunch the next day. So that way, it wasn't a huge change. I was still heading to the kitchen, but I just had a different purpose then. So now I go and check, make sure that my 
lunch is all ready, and then I'll work on my plan for the next day. And then maybe I'll make a cup of hot tea or sometimes a decaf coffee, but I've really learned that I'm not hungry at night. So I don't know why I couldn't figure that out for all those years that I just kept eating at night, but like that's the shortest span of the day that I have to go without eating. Between breakfast and lunch or lunch to dinner, those are both longer spans than the time after dinner until bed. Like typically we eat between 5.30 and 6 and if I'm trying to go to bed at 9.30 like I intend to, that's a maximum of four hours, but that was my pattern. So that was a big shift getting off of the nighttime eating. But again, the the eating to stay awake, that was just silly. And it was a habit. I also find that going to bed, I don't want to say on an empty stomach, but definitely on a stomach where I'm not stuffed. I'm much more comfortable at night and I feel like I can sleep better. Now I will say I have had a few nights where I did get legitimately hungry because maybe my dinner wasn't that big or, you know, the mix of foods just didn't keep me satisfied as long. And in that case, I will have a snack in the evening, but I don't sit in front of the TV and mindlessly eat it. I will choose one of the snacks that was on my plan and then I will eat it mindfully and then that's it. It doesn't become a never ending bag of Doritos. It's just what was on the plan, the end. And then usually I'm going to bed shortly after that. My problem is getting upstairs to go to bed, not actually falling asleep or staying asleep. I just have a hard time getting my butt in the bed. Once I'm there, I sleep fine. Now I know there are people that struggle with falling asleep and struggle with staying asleep. There are some apps out there that are supposed to be really good for meditating and helping you get to sleep. So I will put a couple of those in the show notes in case you struggle with that. But a big reason that a lot of people have trouble sleeping is just because their minds are always racing and they're so full of things that they're worried about or, you know, that's when your brain decides to kick on and start working through your problems. So one thing that I have heard is to keep a notepad by your bed. So if you think of something, you can write it down and then you don't have to worry about forgetting it, you know, because a lot of times your brain will keep saying like, hey, don't forget to do this. Don't forget to do this. And you're like, shut up. I'm trying to sleep, but it's worried that you're going to forget. So it just keeps sending the signals over and over. If you use any smart home devices like Alexa or Google home or whatever, you might even be able to voice record a memo to save for the next day. So that's just another way you can get things out of your head to get you calmed down, to help you fall asleep. I also just today heard about this program that they have called CBTI, which is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, which is amazing. I didn't even know that such a thing existed because CBT is what a lot of the mindful eating and intuitive eating programs are based on. And the Cognitive Behavioral Therapy is a lot of what I tell you because it's about changing your thoughts to help change your behavior. So apparently there is some of that to help with insomnia also. So I will try to find the link and put that in the show notes for you. But they talk a lot about the things that you tell yourself, you know, just the same way with eating. Like don't lay there and say, I'm never going to get to sleep. This is terrible. I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. This sucks. You know, all that negative stuff because that can make it more stressful and put pressure on yourself and make it even harder to fall asleep. So if you have insomnia, the last thing you want is to make it a stressful thing to get in bed. 
Another thing that this podcast talked about was getting you used to associating your bed for sleep. So if you are not sleeping, they suggest getting out of bed, you know, doing something low key, reading or whatever, not getting on a smartphone that has all that bright light that's going to keep you even more awake, but just doing something low key and staying out of bed until you start really feeling tired again and then you go and get back in bed because they just said there's something about the association that if you start training your brain that when we're in bed we sleep somehow that will help you fall asleep and stay asleep better. I don't know all the research behind it but it sounds pretty amazing so I'll put a link in the show notes if you do struggle with insomnia maybe you want to check that out. Another thing that they suggested on this podcast was that exercise can help lead to better sleep because it reduces anxiety, which can help lead to better sleep. And also just you may be more physically tired from the exercise. But the other thing is, like we talked about earlier, when you're getting proper sleep, you're making better choices. You're more likely to exercise the following day. I mean, I said it already when I'm overtired, that's the first thing that gets crossed off my list. I don't want it to be that way, but it just ends up happening that way because I'm like, oh, I'm too tired. I'm not going to get up early to work out. Sleeping more gives you the energy to exercise and then exercising helps you sleep better at night. So it's a nice little cycle there. The other thing that I heard from some scientist that I am not super thrilled about was caffeine and how caffeine can affect your sleep. Of course, we know that caffeine is a stimulant, so you don't want to have an espresso right before bed, but a lot of us don't really see the effects. I mean, I could have a coffee at night and still fall asleep just fine. But what the scientist was saying was that even if we can fall asleep and stay asleep, the caffeine can still inhibit the amount of deep sleep we're getting. So we might think that we're sleeping fine, but really we're not getting as rested as we could be. He talked about this chemical that builds up in your body all day long that is what helps you get that sleepy feeling. And apparently when you have caffeine, it pauses the production of this sleepiness chemical. So then you're not gonna feel as sleepy and you may not be ready to sleep at the time that your body really needs you to be going to sleep. So this is the part that I'm not thrilled about. This scientist guy, he says that you should stop caffeine like 14 hours before bed which basically means I would have like my morning coffee and that's it. I I don't know if I can get behind that completely, but I have been working on cutting my caffeine consumption back. Um, I mentioned before that I had cut out pop a long time ago, but I still drink, well, I had been drinking three cups of coffee a day. When I was pregnant with Landon, I cut all of that out and was down to none and then quickly ramped it back up when he was a newborn and I was getting no sleep. So recently I've noticed that I'm really trying to focus on being more healthy overall. Um, I'm not focused on just weight loss. I am trying to focus on weight loss and better health. And I'm not sure if it's just my, you know, wise old age or if it ties into the mindful eating because I'm not feeling as restricted. Maybe I feel like I can challenge myself more. I'm not really sure, but six months ago, if you would have suggested that I cut out caffeine, I probably would have stabbed you with a fork because I like my coffee and I like my caffeine. But anyway, lately I've been thinking, you know, it's probably not super natural or super healthy to need caffeine to get through the day. And the fact that I was up to three cups a day just kind of just made me feel like maybe that wasn't the best practice. 
it has nothing to do with weight loss whatsoever. It was just more me feeling like it's probably not great for my body. And I try to think a lot about the things that I'm teaching Landon. And if I wouldn't want him running on caffeine all day, then why am I doing it to myself? So I have cut down from three coffees now down to two. I will still have a decaf here and there because I really just like, you know, the warm beverage and the, the comfort of it. But the first week of me going from three coffees to two was awful. I was getting headaches all the time and I felt tired and sluggish. But honestly, like after about a week or so, I'm not even really noticing the effects anymore. So if you drink a lot of caffeine and you want to start working on cutting it back, just know that it might be really hard in the beginning, but it's short-lived. So if you can tolerate it and get through those first, you know, few days to a week, it will get easier. There may come a time that I go from two down to one, or I may replace my afternoon coffee with decaf. I haven't totally decided yet, but I'm just pretty proud of myself for cutting down from three to two. And now that I know that that really could still have an effect on my sleep, even though i I didn't think it did because I was drinking it so early in the day. Now I'm just, you know, even more happy that I made that decision because the last thing I want to do is mess with my sleep because I like sleeping and I like all the benefits that come along with good sleep. So just like with water, it's hard to give a blanket statement for how much sleep you need, but I would say at a minimum, we need seven hours. We just, we really need that downtime your body does a lot of recuperating when you're sleeping, mentally and physically, and you know it can get to work on burning fat while you're sleeping. So you really do need that good quality seven hours of sleep. I've even heard seven to nine, but shoot for seven because you don't want to make your goal huge when you start out. So shoot for seven. And then if you still feel like you're a little tired, work on bumping it up maybe to the eight or nine. It's going to be different for everybody, just depending on your activity and other things. So it's hard to say for sure, but at a minimum seven. And I have been struggling not getting the seven and boy, can I feel it. Like I just don't have the energy that I normally do. And you know, your, your brain gets a little more fuzzy when you don't have proper sleep. So again, I know I've been like rambling all over the place, but the bottom line is water and sleep both seem very mundane. They're not something that you're going to see a commercial about, you know, for the, the next weight loss wonder is to drink water and sleep more, but they are so important and so helpful to your weight loss. And that's why they're part of the core four, because they are important, even though they seem like minor habits, they're really not. They're really important pieces of the puzzle. In a future episode, I'm hoping to do a listener Q&A. So if you have any questions about anything, please um, email me at podcast at notreallyhungry.com, or you can call and leave a voicemail and I will actually incorporate your question into the podcast so you would hear your own voice, which would be pretty cool. The number will be in the show notes and it's at the end of the podcast for you. I don't have it memorized or I would give it to you. But anyway, if you have any questions at all, whether it's, you know, about foods or about the core four or anything related to weight loss or about me or not really hungry or anything at all. I would love to hear from you and I'd love to answer some of your questions on a future episode so that I make sure you guys are getting all the information that you really want. All right, guys, until next time, remember, eat mindfully so you can lose weight and change your life. Thanks for listening to the Not Really Hungry Podcast. 
If you have any questions or comments, please email podcast at notreallyhungry.com or leave a voicemail at 330-595-4662. If you want to hear more from Not Really Hungry, check out the blog at notreallyhungry.com where you'll find even more ways to eat mindfully, lose weight, and change your life.